We are in 2022, and by the time our prayer meeting is finished, we will be in 2023. So that's quite remarkable. And as I was thinking about 2022, uh, there's a lot that's happened this year. Of course, it seems like there's a lot that happens every year, but 2022, I just made a couple of notes here that I'll uh, just a few notes here that I'll read to you. We started the year, really, with Russia invading Ukraine. That was significant, and we're still in the middle of that. And um, my fear is that it's going to only get worse in 2023, but that happened at the beginning of this year, and that is significant. Um, that's not a minor thing. That has affected the entire world. Roe v. Wade was overturned in this year. Again, not an insignificant event, uh, certainly in America, but it ripples across the world, I think, as well. In 2022, we surpassed 8 billion in the world's population, and we had some notable deaths. Queen Elizabeth II, she passed away. Um, just saw in the news there that uh, Pope uh, Benedict XVI, he passed away. Um, and um, even the former Prime Minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, uh, was assassinated this year. Some, some disruptive things happening, certainly in this world. Uh, but more close to home for us, um, been thinking a lot about this, of course, no surprise to to us on this call, but this is the year that we signed the agreement with Bob Jones University to uh, the partnership between Sermon Audio and the school here uh, to start down this road together. So this year we signed that, this year we started construction of this space that I'm sitting in. And this year, we finished the construction, the renovation, and we officially opened it. That all happened this year. Of course, we were in talks with the school uh, over three years ago, but all of that accelerated uh, to this year. And that's significant for us. And of course, we just finished our fifth uh, Foundations Conference here on the campus at Bob Jones and... Um, that's a milestone for us as well. And today we reached day number 678 in our daily united prayer. And as I think about that, I think about the, the miracle of that sort of thing happening. I actually believe that that could only happen, well, maybe not only happen, but certainly it's, it's, it's helpful when we have a group of people banding together in what we call a joint resolution. And it's not binding in any, th in any sense like that, but it's just an aid uh, to help us. Because um, if, if you're like me, uh, when we set out to do something on our own, um, we usually start out very well with tremendous energy and zeal, but then over time it just, uh, we, we grow lax and uh, it peters out. But when we are binding ourselves together 
in this joint resolution, which is, by the way, why Jonathan Edwards uh, framed it the way he did, because he understood human nature as well. Um, it is helpful. And so now we have reached day six, seven, eight, which I never thought we would see the light of this day, quite frankly. And But here we are, and we're still praying together. And I find that to be a tremendous mercy, a mercy of the Lord, and an answer to prayer in and of itself. But I wanted to spend a, a little bit of time really just talking about First Chronicles, or sorry, Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14. 2 Chronicles is wonderful. It's a, it's a wonderful book. I would actually encourage you to read it uh, in two modes. One would be very, very slowly, of course, which is the way I like to read the Bible. But also, very fast. Go from chapter 1 all the way to the end and just get this big arc of a picture um, in your mind and, and and note all the kings and and their significance and so on. But if you if you take a look at Second Chronicles as one big picture, it is fascinating because you start out with King Solomon, of course, and he's building the the temple, and he is a man who is seeking the Lord. He is seeking the Lord. Of that there is no doubt. We read back in First Chronicles, uh, chapter twenty-eight, verse nine. David, his father, is giving his son, Solomon, this one final admonition. And that basically is, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. If you seek him, he will be found of thee. And that's, that's, the, that's the big admonition from David to Solomon. And so you have Solomon beginning... Um, his journey seeking the Lord. He meets with the Lord in, in, in an attitude of prayer. Yes, it was in a dream, but it was in an attitude of prayer. And, and of course, the rest is history. And you have this building of the temple. You have the tremendous blessing of God that falls upon Solomon and the kingdom, so much so that the Queen of Sheba is... Her breath is taken away, and all this, all the nations around Solomon come to him to hear his wisdom, and they bring with them all the treasures of the nations, so that, so that, the kingdom of Israel at that time becomes incredibly strong, and it's uh, it's like a golden age. And then what happens after that, sadly, is Solomon's son Rehoboam. That's where we're going to be reading. Rehoboam is a foolish son. He's a foolish son. He rejects the, the counsel of the, of the older and the wiser men that served alongside Solomon, and he goes with the counsel of the young, the young generation. And what we see is during Rehoboam's reign, the kingdom is split. So then you have Israel in the north rebelling, and you have Judah in the south but then you have all of the, the wonderful things that Solomon had done. It talks about the, the treasures in the house of the Lord and the golden shields, the 300 
pure gold shield that Solomon had had made. Um, they were all taken away by the king Shishak of Egypt during Rehoboam's reign, really in judgment. But you see all this blessing and all this effort to build something to the Lord for his glory only to be then taken away and dismantled by the next generation. It's very sad, and it's also, I, I believe, what we're seeing all around us all day long. Uh, up there, if you're in Second Chronicles chapter 12, in verse uh, 9, it talks about Shishak, king of Egypt, coming against Jerusalem, and he takes away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took all. Sad. He took everything. He carried away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made. It's a sad day in Israel. And um, and then if if you continue in this this uh, fast pace through Second Chronicles, you see these kings. Some of them are good kings. Some of them are not so good kings, and it's just this up and down all the way through Second Chronicles until you get to the very end, and you have the series of bad kings one after the other, uh, and it's it's this acceleration of the badness of it all, and it basically says there that the Lord, there was no remedy, it it was it was it got so bad that the the wrath of the Lord arose against His people. This is the very last chapter in Second Chronicles thirty six. Verse 16, the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. It was it. And so the Chaldeans came, Babylonians, they came, and they, they whatever was left of the glory of, of Solomon's day, and it was glorious. If you read in the earlier chapters of Second Chronicles, uh, it talks about how his throne itself, this ivory throne covered with gold and with the lions on either side, there was nothing like it in all the realm. It was it was one of a kind. Any glory that was left, the Babylonians, look what it says here. I know I'm skipping around, but Second Chronicles 36, verse uh, 18. All the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and, and all the treasures of the house of the Lord, the treasures of the king, his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And what? And they burnt the house of God. Break down the wall of Jerusalem and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire. Destroyed everything. Can you imagine? So here we start out in this book with this glorious picture. The very last chapter, burnt to the ground. And everything is taken away. Very, very... um, dark picture and of course this is when uh, the captivity happened and then you have the story of Daniel and so on but but this is it's just a, a big arc of a picture you see the beginning of it and then you see the end of it the end of it and at the very very end of the the, the book you'll see that it talks about um, Cyrus king of Persia uh, being raised up of the Lord to go back and Um, assist in the rebuilding of the temple. But anyway, just to go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 12, 
Rehoboam. Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. Remember, he's the foolish son. And this is the one thing I just want us to latch on to. Hopefully, if we can use this as a springboard for us to pray, especially in the new year. In Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14, Rehoboam did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. It, the, the scripture here in this one verse explains or defines what constitutes a king being good or a king being evil. All throughout the, this book, you, you, you read of kings that were good and kings that were evil. And basically, if you just want to boil it down, it's whether or not they sought the Lord or whether or not they didn't seek the Lord. Remember, David's last admonition to Solomon was, seek the Lord. And, and Solomon did. And Rehoboam, his son, did not seek the Lord. It says he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. He prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. And so let's just think for a second about what this is talking about. The Lord is saying this is evil in his sight when people don't prepare their hearts to seek the Lord. And why is that evil? Well, if we take a step back, because if we're not seeking the Lord, we're not depending on the Lord. If we're not depending on the Lord, we're depending on ourselves. And if we're depending on ourselves, then basically we are we are uh, becoming self-sufficient. We are setting ourselves up as the final deliverer and essentially putting ourselves in the place of God. So seeking the Lord is not just about prayer, but it's prayer is the outworking of something else that's going on in the heart. And what's going on in the heart is a humility and dependence and a sense of, I can't do this unless I have the Lord. And so that's, that's essentially what it is to seek the Lord. But, but I just thought it was interesting where it says, He prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. I don't want us to just gloss over that. It doesn't say he did evil because he did not seek the Lord, which, of course, it would have been accurate to say that, I'm sure. But it gives us this little detail. He did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. And just meditating on that a little bit, what does it mean to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord? We all understand what it means to seek the Lord. But what does it mean to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord? To prepare our hearts to seek the Lord. I think it's really important that we, that we get a little bit of a handle on this. Um, when you prepare a meal... It's helpful sometimes to have an illustration. When you prepare a meal, you're not just walking into it without thought, almost by accident, and 
things are just happening and the meal gets done. When you are preparing a meal, there is a lot of thought going into it. There's a lot of uh, mental resources going into it. There's a lot of time going into it. There's a lot of resources, just even financial resource sacrifice going into it. When you do something as simple as preparing a meal. And I want to encourage us because I think that we we can we can have such a view of prayer where it's almost thoughtless and it's it's almost something that we just go in and out of without really any um, purpose, without really any preparation, certainly, and, of course, without the persistence. So when we think about preparing our hearts to seek the Lord, and I don't want to overthink this, but I really believe that when you prepare to do anything, I mean, I I talked about a meal. It could be anything. Prepare to go on a trip. Prepare to do anything. There is a goal that you have in mind. And this is how it applies to us in prayer. There is a goal. What is our goal? What is our purpose? Why are we doing this? Why are we... Why am I here at 11 o'clock? And you all are here at 11 o'clock at night. Why are we doing this? Why are we meeting together every day like this? Is it just for the fellowship? The fellowship is wonderful and it grows sweeter day by day. But we can get fellowship anywhere. We can get fellowship uh, in our local assemblies. We can get fellowship in our families. We can get fellowship elsewhere. Why are we doing this? I don't want us ever to lose sight of the purpose. When we prepare our heart, there's a goal, there's a purpose, there's an aim. We're shooting for something. And when we're preparing our heart to seek the Lord, I want us to understand. That's why I, I, I mentioned at the very beginning here that we should have petitions. We should have things that we know that we want to see the Lord accomplished, let's say in 2023. And obviously everything is... As the Lord wills, we, we understand that it's, it's not according to our will. But I do believe that the Lord gives us, um, he, he makes, unto, makes us rational creatures, and, and we, we ought to be using our rational minds to be thinking and to be planning. A lot of what my motivation for saying what I'm saying comes from, stems from, that little Q&A talk that I mentioned the prayer meeting today by Tim Conway, it's the, the sermon that was fe- featured today, and where he's talking about how Christians nowadays are way too passive. They're just way too passive. They, 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 they don't want to plan. It's almost becoming a virtue not to plan. You know, you're just going to leave it up to the sovereignty of God. But that's not the way it was. That's not the pattern of how the, the old saints that we all admire, they all had tremendous a tremendous sense of purpose. I know the word resolution gets a bad rap nowadays. But, you know, you have to remember, Jonathan Edwards had his resolutions. And what these were is, and I realize why it gets a bad rap, is because we, we set these things up 
and uh, we, we, for the most part, try to accomplish things in the arm of the flesh, and we fall on our face, f- flat on our face, then we get uh, all discouraged, demoralized, and, and it, it's worse than if we hadn't made, made the resolution. Um, so I understand that side of it. But there's also uh, something to be said for these men in the past. You know, you just, you just do a scan of their lives. And I, just three of them came to mind for me, um, just thinking about this. You have somebody like William Tyndale. He had it as his, practically his life's ambition to, to produce a Bible in the English language so, so that the plowboy... The boy who driveth the plow will know more of the scriptures than the priests of Rome. That's that's something to shoot for. D.L. Moody, if you all know uh, about him, he had he made a covenant with the Lord that he would, with God's help, of course, that he would witness to one person every day. That was something he was purposing, shooting for. And of course, you read of Jonathan Edwards, and if you read through his uh, resolutions, there there is one resolution that's um, interesting for our purposes. It has to do with prayer. It's number 29, and I'll read it in his language, and I'll explain it because it's a little hard to understand. It resolved never to count that a prayer, nor to let that pass as a prayer, which is so made that I cannot hope that God will answer it. In other words, what he's saying is, I resolve never to pray anything where in my mind I'm actually not believing that God will answer that. So that whatever I pray, it's backed up with, I believe that God can answer this prayer. That was his, that was one of his resolutions. That's, I mean, it's a good it's a good desire. It's a good objective. And, and my challenge and my exhortation simply is, let us not be mindlessly, passively going in and out of these prayer meetings day by day without any purpose, without any sense of we're shooting for a target. Um, and, and it's not just a general revival. Of course, we want revival. And we can use that, those lang- that language. I'm not discouraging that. But I want, us to, I want us to know for ourselves. I want to know for myself what it is I'm asking the Lord to do. So I'm sitting in this room called the vault room. And I specifically came here tonight because I wanted to see this room with my own eyes. And I'm looking at it. And I'll let you look at it. So you're looking at what I'm looking at. And I'm looking at an empty room, but there's chairs here. And I I tell you what, it helps me in my prayer life to be able to see something in my mind and pray for that. So whether it's this physical space or whether it's a person, put that person in your in your mind's eye and pray for it specifically. It doesn't always have to be done in a public corporate context. You know, some things are obviously going to be more, maybe it's not appropriate to, to name everything that, that's going through your mind. But all I'm trying to say is that 
Rehoboam, he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. There is an aspect of seeking the Lord that takes thought, preparation, purpose, um, a plan, something that we're asking the Lord for, a petition. It's even like with Solomon. The Lord asked Solomon, what is your request? Now, if Solomon were all just vague generalities, he would he would not have got the answer. He had a request. He wanted wisdom. I want wisdom because I don't know how to lead this people. I'm just like a child. I don't know how to go out or how to come in. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart. That was very specific. And and he felt the need. And we all have it, and it's all different. We're all different in this. I have a tremendous desire. I have a tremendous desire to see this room filled. And not just filled with, like, staff or people. I mean, that it's fine. It'd be great. But I don't want to coerce anybody. I want this room to be filled with young people. Wouldn't that be just the greatest thing if all these seats, standing room only, were it was filled with young people that actually there was there was a spirit in them that that wanted to seek the lord i know angela wants this she's praying for this all the time in lithuania and and for the young people there i know you all want it too you want it for your children you want it for your young people in your churches uh john van giesen often prays for it for his his uh the young people in his in his circles that would be the most glorious uh, God-honoring thing. I, I think it'd be wonderful to see a place like this filled with young people, but older people too, of course, but certainly young people that are earnestly seeking the Lord, not just coming to yet another prayer meeting. This school has prayer meetings. It's got prayer meetings, lots of them. And we'll just leave it at that. But I, I, I would love to see a, a room filled with just like really earnest Elijah-type praying where he prayed in his prayer. And by the way, we, we all need that ourselves. It's not as if we've arrived and now you young people over there, you need to come up to our level. It's not that at all. We all need to grow together. Come, let us go and seek the Lord together. But... All I'm trying to say is that there needs to be a tremendous sense of purpose. Have it in your mind what it is that you're asking the Lord for in 2023. And be praying for it. And be praying for it. And maybe you're already doing this. And that's wonderful. I mean, I I certainly have done it in the past. I don't always do it uh, to my shame. but, um, But be preparing your heart to seek the Lord. By the way, that word preparing, the thought... Also, it's not just ha- has the idea of purpose, but it has the idea of priority. So when you're preparing something, uh, there's priority that you're giving to it. It's like it's not this tacked on thing on the day. Oh, I'm going to say my prayer and then whisk off to, to the more important weightier matters of, of the day. This is priority. We are preparing our hearts to seek the Lord. This is Priority. I have to keep telling myself that because there's so many things that are pressing upon me, even today, just fighting with hardware. It was unbelievable 
just the the amount of time and effort and just the pain to just deal with these machines that won't sometimes come out of their racks properly and we're like fighting at it and the cables and we broke one of the the network cards because we couldn't get the little cable out i'm like i can't believe this we're dealing with this and so thing after thing after thing will come into your life but you have to give priority to the first things first seek first the kingdom of god there's going to be things that crowd into your life that's a given it's going to happen but you have to give priority this is preparing our hearts and what's the last p so the first, uh, first the purpose the priority and the last thing i'll just leave with you is patience when we when we prepare a meal it doesn't come immediately auto, uh, instantly it's not instant this fast food that there's a process and there's patience and there's steps and and then the final result same with any um, Solomon's temple look at that that took time anything takes time don't just give up don't just I'd love for this person to be saved I've been praying for them now for a few days I'll just give up don't do that keep praying for them it, it takes it takes patience we all know this we've heard now countless meditations on on uh perseverance and tenacity in the place of prayer it does take patience this is all wrapped up in in my mind this idea of preparing preparing our hearts to seek the lord why are we here when we look out to 2023 why are we doing this It's because we believe that this is important. We're giving priority to something here. We have to have patience in it. And and we have to know what the purpose is. We have to know what it is we're asking the Lord to do. And we're we're asking the Lord to send us his presence, his spirit, his power. We, we are living in a time where it feels like we're in captivity, like it's a bondage experience, some of you more than others. But certainly, generally, looking out over the landscape of our nations, it's a bondage experience. It's, we need the Lord. There's no politician that's going to save us. So let's get that out of our minds right away. We need the Lord. And that's why we're praying. That's why we're praying, I trust. Because we need God. Personal revival, family revival, church revival, national revival, worldwide revival. And revival just means that God shows up. His presence becomes so manifest undeniable the fear of god comes upon an entire community so rehoboam let's learn it he did evil these kings are evil or they're good because in rehoboam's case he prepared not his heart
to seek the Lord. So let's prepare our hearts, not mindlessly, not passively, prepare our hearts with great purpose, patience, and priority to seek the Lord. <laughs> 